0: I'm going to invite you to do a couple of things. First of all, turn over to Matthew chapter 25 in your Bible or on your device, pull up your Bible. You can get to the notes for today, the digital notes, if you go to lifeway.church forward slash 10-28-18. They should have it up here on on the screen. Yes, they do. You can follow along in the notes with the message. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for such an awesome morning in your presence. It has prepared our heart to hear your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit has full authority in this place to speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us and tell us what you want us to hear so that it changes and transforms our life from the inside out. We submit ourselves to you to hear your word and to be changed by your word so that we can do your will and show the world Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So today is the 4th Sunday of the series called Friend of Sin Friend, Friend of Sinners. 4th Sunday. And to, today the title is The Least of These. And we're going to look at Matthew 25. But uh, let's just think about that title, The Friend of Sinners. Actually, the title of this series is actually the definition of our mission. God has called each one of us to be a friend, not just to people that we look like and act like and talk like and smell like, but to be a friend of people that we would consider a sinner. And uh, I've noticed something about being friends. In order to be a friend, you have to earn trust. Right? In order to earn trust, we have to be authentic and vulnerable. And to be authentic and vulnerable, you have to love people. You have to love them and value them as much as God does. And so God has called us to step over the line, to actually become uncomfortable so that we can embrace someone that we wouldn't normally or naturally Embrace. You guys follow me? Jesus stepped out of heaven, left his heavenly body, took on an earth body, became uncomfortable on this earth, and dealt with people from A to Z, from nice to bad, from evil to good. And Jesus dealt with with life as we deal with life in order to make us his friends. That's the whole gospel in in a nutshell right there. He loves you so much, he didn't stay where he was, he became uncomfortable and stepped over every line, even lines that that men drew in front of him. He stepped over them all to show everyone that he loved everyone the same. So I just want to start this message by saying, every person in here and every person that's watching, Jesus loves you the same the same as he loves me the same as he loves anyone Jesus loves us all the very same you have to just think a minute to comprehend that he doesn't love anyone better than another or worse than another he's he's not waiting for you to make a move he's already made the move right he's not waiting for us to get good enough to do good enough to be good enough he said, I love you because you're you. And I made you, by the way. So I know who you are and how you are, even, even in ways you don't even know yourself. Can you imagine that? God knows more about you than you know about yourself. We say that, but do we really, really realize that? And he knows us like we are and still chooses to love us. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's some tremendous love. That is a tremendous love. So here's a big question. Are we willing to be seen with people and possibly be associated with people who are far from God for the purpose of leading them to Jesus? Are we willing? Are we ready? Because I know that we're able. Jesus makes us able. But are we willing and ready to be seen with people and possibly associated with them, even though they're far from God, so that we can lead them to Jesus. You know, just like we were talking about a minute ago, our, our life on this earth is all about relationships. All about relationships. God created us to have relationship, to be in relationship. We don't live in a vacuum. He didn't put, he didn't put Adam and Eve on an island Right, He put them on the earth. He gave them dominion. He created them to procreate so that there could be more people. Right, God's idea is people. That's God's heartbeat is people. Multiplying, being fruitful, propagating, increasing. The more people you have, the more relationships you have. The more the relationships you have, the more you need the love of God because relationships don't work without the love of God. So we're created for relationship. First, our relationship with God. And then as our relationship with God increases and grows and develops and, and deepens, then our relationship with others can be healthy and growing and deep and meaningful and have fruit and life flowing through those relationships. So what we see today, the, the fear and the hatred and the, and, the, and the doubt and the mistrust and even in our own country, this, this divide down the middle of our country is because there's, there's hatred there. We need those that declare that we belong to God to begin to act by the love of God so that we love people that we deem unlovely, right? The only thing that can cross the aisle is the love of God. You can't do it in your own flesh. You can't love without Jesus. And so, how precious are people to Jesus? Look at this in Matthew chapter 25. This is the, the uh, New International Version. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit in his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as shepherd sheep uh, separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side and the goats on his left side. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the crea- creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, and I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me, and I was prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, this is a long passage. I wanted to go from the beginning to the end so that you would understand the context in which Jesus is speaking. I understand that Jesus is talking about the, the eternity and the life hereafter, our life beyond what we understand on this earth at this time right now. And he's talking about rewards. I understand all of that, but I want us to look... At what Jesus does in this passage. Because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? Yes. He puts himself in that place, right? I mean, the father put him there. And he is talking about himself in this passage. Do you see that? But in this passage, Jesus identifies with the least of these. Wow. Jesus identifies with the very least of these. He wants us to see him in them. God wants us to see him in them. This is a key to to loving people. We've got to see that there is a part of God in every person. Now that doesn't mean that every person is born again. Okay? I'm not saying that everyone is born again from birth and that they don't have any choice in the matter. To choose salvation is a, a a an experience a choice it is a time that you come face to face with God and say I choose to receive the gift of salvation that you have for me but I, but what I am saying is God made man in his image and in his likeness and so God when he made Adam before Adam ever had a choice to follow God or disobey God God said about Adam this is very good right? God invested into his man and to his woman, and he said, this is very good. Love each other. Take care of one another. And he's still saying that today. He made every person with the ability to love him back and love each other unconditionally. And he gave us the power of that love so that we could live a fulfilled life. And so with this passage, Jesus is saying... I'm identifying with the least. When you did this to the least of these, you did it to me. And if you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So Jesus is is putting himself in the place of the least. And we're going to look at the least today so that we see clearly who the least are, so that it moves us to help the least, to become a friend of sinners. Jesus identified with the least again so that we could see him in them, but also so that we can see how he ministered to them and do what he did. He went about doing good and healing all, not just the elite, not just the ones that had a big bank account or the ones that smelled nice or drove nice cars or chariots or camels or whatever they drove back in those days, right? (laughs) Jesus loved the uttermost. He did did what he did for the ones that didn't deserve it in our minds. Right? Hebrews 4.15 says, we have a chief priest who is able to sympathize. Our one version says, to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because he came, became like us. He came to become like us, to experience life as we experience it. So that he could say, very qualified, I loved every person that I died for. There was no one that was beyond my reach. And so we have to see that Jesus himself is identifying with the least of these So we can begin to look at them and see Him. And not just see Him, but do something about it. You know, a friend is moved with compassion to do something. There's a a story that Jesus tells in Luke 10, verses 30 through 37, about the Good Samaritan. I'm just going to read it from you from the New Living Translation. It says a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half-dead beside the road. And by chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. And a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And then notice what he did, going over to him. See, it's one thing to feel compassion, but it's another thing to do something about it. A lot of people feel compassionate and, and their heart tugs at them, but then they stop short of going to the other side and ministering to somebody that's not like them. But the Samaritan went over to him and soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. Hampton Inn, probably. It could have been a Holiday Inn Express, but it was an inn, right? Somewhere that had a bed to take care of the man that was bleeding and hurt and pushed to the side that people had passed by but this good Samaritan was taking care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll be back to pay you the next time that I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. And the man, re- the man replied, one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said this, yes. Now go and do the same. So Jesus is telling us to be motivated by mercy, to be moved with compassion, not just tugged at by the heart, but do something about it. To love people that are bruised and broken and hurt and laying on the side that people have rejected, that nobody wants to pay attention to. Reminds me of when Jesus came up and there was a man that came out of the woods and he was demon-possessed and naked and he was cutting himself. Much like people cut themselves today, they're, they're 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 filled with anger at themselves. They're ashamed, and they've lost their identity. People are confused when they don't know Jesus. The more you don't know Jesus, the more confused you can become. And so Jesus makes friends with this man, and his life turns totally right side up. And so Jesus gives us this story about the Good Samaritan. There's four things about this story. Number one, that the, the Samaritan was willing to get involved. These are, points are in your notes there if you want to go back and look and review and listen. And, but he was willing to get involved. Most people aren't willing to get involved. They can see like the priest did and the, the temple servant did. They, you can see across the road, yeah, there's somebody over there, but you know that, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I've got an appointment I've got to get to. Number two, this man, the Samaritan, ignored racism. That's a huge one. He wasn't supposed to do what he did because he was a Samaritan. Today, if this nation is going to change, the body of Christ is going to have to ignore racism, the body of Christ. We are the ones that are reconciled to God, so we should be reconciled to each other. We should, we, we'll never be colorblind You know, God's not colorblind. He made every color. But here's what he said about every color. It is very good. 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 And they sang a song about it years ago. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, not just of America. Amen? Amen. Number three. This Samaritan gave his resources. He gave his resources. He says, Here, here's some money, and then if this man needs any more by the time I get back, I'll give you more money. So, the fourth point here is that this Samaritan had some trust with the innkeeper. He was trustworthy and he was faithful because his word was credit. He said, I'll be back. So his he he had integrity. He could be counted upon. And then Jesus told us to be like the Samaritan, to go and do what the Samaritan did. Because we need to see people in need and act like Jesus acts. We need to become a friend of who we consider to be sinners. If we take the definition of sinners as someone who sins, then we can put ourselves in that definition. Now, we like to say, well, I was a sinner, but I'm not a sinner anymore. And in our mind, our righteous mind, we elevate ourselves to the point of where we think that we don't even sin. And that's wrong, 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 wrong. We do, we miss it. But you know what? Jesus, with his grace, is there. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and forgive us of all unrighteousness. Anytime that we miss doing God's word and we don't live quite up to it every day, we fall. But listen, the good news about falling is knowing that Jesus is right there to pick you up. He's not going to leave you down there. He's better than the good Samaritan. He knows where you are. He hears you saying, help, and he's right there beside you to pick you up to say, I forgive you. I love you. I'll restore you. You're reconciled. My blood was enough. Go on. You can do it. Every time, every time, every time. Listen, if anybody wore out the repentance and, and the forgiveness of God, I, I probably did. Remember what Paul how Paul identified himself. He said, of of the sinners, I'm the chiefest. This was a man, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was a man that was consenting for Christians to be killed. So we understood about the grace of God. But let's see what Jesus says about the least from Matthew 25. First, he says, there's the hungry, those that are hungry. The hungry ones are the least. Hungry. You know, there's a void of truth in our world today. There's so many lies of the enemy and so many people propagating lies that most people without the Holy Spirit believe lies. You know, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth and He's the only one that can cut through the fabrications and the lies and the smoke screens and the deception of the enemy. But people that don't know god are hungry for the truth. You've got to see that. They they're just blinded by deception. They're blinded by a lie. So what does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us from his word to speak the truth in love. He qualifies it. Don't just go around speaking the truth if it's not in love. So you you need to make sure that it's in love before we speak it. You know the world wants to know the truth but they don't want it shoved down their mouth. Remember, before you became a Christian, how many Christians did you want telling you the truth without you asking them? Right? And we've seen plenty of Christians that offer their advice uh, unsolicited. Right? But we need to speak the truth of love as we show the love of God so that it opens their heart and they're ready to receive the truth. You know, Doing the love of God, being the love of God, acting in the love of God, opens someone's heart so that they can receive the truth of God's word. John 6, 35 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who who believes in me shall never thirst. So in this one phrase, Jesus uses the hunger and the thirsting. But again, he's identifying with the least, and he says the least of these were hungry. The least of these were thirsty. Thirsty. So the second attribute of of the least is is they're thirsty. There are people that are thirsty. They're thirsty for the presence of God. They're thirsty for joy, lasting joy. You know, everybody wants to be happy. There's songs about being happy. And whenever they come out, they always make it to the top ten. Right, it was a song I got sunshine in my pocket, and it's just happy. People want to be happy. There was a Bobby McFerrin song. Uh, how did it go? Don't worry, be happy. You know, now that's before some of your time. But people want to be happy, but God wants them to be filled with joy and joy and happiness are not the same thing joy and happiness are not the same thing people need the peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit not the agitation of an argumentative spirit and so when the least of these who are thirsty need a friend they don't need you to remind them that they are not happy and they don't have joy They need you to show them a life filled with the Spirit of God on our face. People should see us shine with the joy of the Lord on our face. And they should notice a fresh, genuine excitement in our voice. They should be attracted to how we act more than the words that we say. And they should think to themselves, wow, you know, I like to be around that person. I want to be around them more. You know, if you're like me, you ask yourself from time to time, why don't I have more friends? Where, where are my deep friends? Where are my true friends? Where are those people that come, that notice when I'm down and come to me and say, what, what are you dealing with? But in order to have friends, you have to be friendly. You know? You have to be vulnerable. In order to attract people, you have to be attractive. I'm not talking about your face or what you wear, it's your heart. It's your heart. You've got to be real, you've got to be authentic. Jesus is saying, hey, be a friend to those that are the least. The least. Look at them, recognize them. He wants us to love the hungry, love the thirsty. Be friends with them. Get close to them. John seven thirty seven and thir- through 39 says, On the last day, Jesus, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture has said, Out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Wherever there's rivers of living water flowing, there's joy. Joy. There's joy. And when he spoke this, he was, it was concerning the Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not been glorified. So that joy that comes up from us and that people identify with and it's attractive to the thirsty. Jesus has given us that joy. But we have to approach people that are down. That are hurting. That are thirsty. Right? The third thing is Jesus identified himself with a stranger. People that are strangers lack purpose and belonging. People want to belong and identify and not be shunned as if they're an outsider. That's why we see all the groups and the gangs. People want to identify. They hold up a banner and everybody comes up under that banner and they give themselves initials and This is who we are, and this is what we are, and this is what we do. And the whole world wants to be identified with something that's valuable. And so a stranger, whenever a stranger comes in to a place, it's like they're disoriented. They're looking for one of their own that they can identify with, that they can talk to. If you come into a place where everybody's speaking a different language, just go into the... uh, the train station in Rome, and you'll hear 30 different languages being spoken at the same time. The thing that stands out to you is the language that you speak, your mother tongue. When you hear somebody speak that, you're like, he's one of me. You know, God made us like that. He wants the stranger to find a home. Jesus can be found in the stranger. Jesus wanted to identify with the stranger. That's why he said, when you've done it to the least, when you've invited a stranger in, we have scriptures that talk about inviting strangers in, being hospitable to strangers, right? When you make your home available to somebody who doesn't have a home, you're making a friend. You're telling them that they're valuable. No, 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 you don't need to bring any food. I've got the food. In fact, I've got a special dish that I'm making just for you. You're gonna love it. Just come over. Come over. That's Jesus. He's saying, come to Father's house when he was on the earth. This is why he identifies as a stranger because he knows that people need belonging and purpose. You know, when we meet some people, we say, it's like we've known you all our life. Like the Welsh's. It's like when we met them, we've known you guys all of our life. That's, that's the Jesus in them. Connecting with the Jesus in me. It's because, it's because people accept us quickly and make us feel loved. And this is what Jesus wants us. As we're f- being friends to people that we wouldn't normally think about. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says this. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers... But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. <laughs> That's good news. You're not an outcast. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, You're not an outcast. You belong in the family, there's a place for you at the table. You know, Jesus in, 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 his, in his dining room, he's not gonna set up a little separate table for the kids. And put you at the little, little table for the little kids. He's going to put you right beside him. And when you get there to your chair, your name's going to be on it. And he's going to serve you what you love to eat. Your favorite. And you're going to say to Jesus, how did you know my favorite? How did you know that I needed some smoked wings and collard greens? Collard greens and smoked wings. Now we're getting hungry. i got to hurry up here. But this is good news. This is good news that we're no longer foreigners and we're no longer strangers, but we're fellow citizens of God, fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That's a good thing to, get, to say. Every morning you get up, Lord, I am part of your household. What are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? The fourth thing that Jesus identifies with is people that are naked. He said, when you've clothed the naked, you've done it to me. Isn't that interesting? Here's something about nakedness. I'm not talking about just physical nakedness, right? People that are naked need protection and acceptance because they're ashamed and bare. They've been ashamed and bare Because they want to be accepted and protected Remember that Jesus never shamed anyone who was exposed We go back We talked about this a couple of weeks ago During the message But there was a woman who was caught in adultery She was caught in the act of adultery And they brought her out to stone her to death because they could legally do that. But Jesus saw what was going on, and he he didn't decide to pass by and turn his head and say, you know what, she deserves it. Instead, he went over to what was where where the event was happening, and he inserted himself in there. And he did it in such a way that he didn't get stoned. Think about that. He inserted himself in this situation in a way that he didn't get stoned himself. And he loved her. But he also loved all the people that were around her. Because he revealed their sin in a way that it didn't shame them. Think about that. We shouldn't be be guilty of accusing, judging, or stoning someone who is caught. Being a friend means that we're ready to restore and reconcile. Doesn't matter what people have gotten into, they need help getting out. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be the ones to help them get out. And not stand over them in judgment and keep them in their sin. Right, Genesis 2.25 says Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame that was before the sin when they sinned they felt the shame so everyone that is living in sin deals with shame whether you think they do or not we need to be Jesus to love them right there where they are not demanding that they change but just like Jesus in the face of their accusation in the face of what they're in. point number five Jesus identified himself with the sick sick the sick the sick need healing and restoration the sick are broken and diseased and some of some of this disease and brokenness you can see physically And some of it is internally. But the one thing that people desire who are broken and diseased is to be made whole. They want to experience God's healing. And people who had never even met Jesus had heard that Jesus was healing. And they came to where he was to receive his healing. When people identify you with Jesus, they will know that you have healing not of yourself and from yourself but from god your words can bring healing our hands can bring healing mark sixteen says those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover now sick doesn't just mean physically sick alvin had a surgery yesterday and we can see that something was done and there may be pain and that you know jennifer's back there we can see We can see people that are sick and in need of healing. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of people in this country today that are sick and need healing in their minds. We're seeing it more and more and more, the effects of mental illness. And listen, the world doesn't have the solution. Jesus is the solution. But Jesus needs us to touch them. Jesus needs us to touch them, not condemn them, not put them in a padded room so they won't hurt themselves or somebody else. But there are people specifically called by God to go and minister to those who are sick in every area of their life because Jesus ministered to all people who were sick with all kinds of sickness and disease. And his desire is that all people be made whole and experience God's healing. Mark 2.17 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So Jesus came for the sick. And if Jesus came for the sick, we should be looking for the sick. Because Jesus is in us. Right? Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we should be intentional about looking for people who need healing and ask them if we can love them and pray for them, not condemn them and push them aside. Mark 16 says they will pick up serpents or pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And lay in your hands on the sick. Listen, these hands don't, really mean anything until you pray and ask God by his power to heal that person. Jesus is not telling us here in this verse of scripture to go out and start picking up snakes. That's not what he's saying. If you get bit by a snake, and that's what happened with Paul in the book of Acts, if they get bitten by any deadly thing, it won't hurt them because we're protected. God protects us. This is not something that, that we have because we're special, but it's because of God's power working in our life so the last thing that I think Jesus sees the need to identify with is people in prison people that are prisoners people who are bound always desire to be free I've I've been in a number of jails prisons to minister and not, not one person that I've met in there said you know what I'm looking forward to just staying in here the rest of my life it's not a place that you want to go. When I visit people in the hospital, they don't want to be there either. It's almost like a prison there, right? You're somewhere where you don't want to be doing something you don't want to do. That's not a good place. So Jesus is saying, hey, I came to identify with those who were bound so that I can set them free. And we need to see people that are bound and see that Jesus has the power to set them free and move toward them with compassion so that we can love them like Jesus loves them. You know, there's physical prisons, there's mental and emotional prisons, and some who are, are bound emotionally and mentally don't even realize it because of the prison of deception that they're caught in. And, and really, few, very few of them are delivered Immediately. Most of them are delivered from that prison, that mental prison, as a, as a process. Progressively. So are we willing to be a friend that is patient? Patient enough to see that person break free and begin to follow Jesus? Luke four eighteen says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The, the, the thing about proclaiming freedom to prisoners is you've got to get close enough to talk to them. Right? We have to get close enough to people to talk to them. Well, that's a bad person. Without Jesus, we are too, right? We need to love people that are in prison. You know, we don't have any problems being friends with people that encourage us, that like us, that do things for us, that buy things for us. We, we're, we readily say, that's my friend. I like him. I want to spend time with him. Especially if somebody takes us out to lunch And they pay for lunch It's like, okay, when are we going again? Right? I like that You're a great friend But what about the people that don't? What about about the people that we give to And give to and give to And they're in a bad place in their life And there's nothing that they give back Would they be categorized as the least of these? Who's going to be a friend to the least of these? Those who are in need. You know, being a friend and being friendly should not be done with ourselves in mind. We need to follow Jesus in becoming a friend to those who are in need so that they can begin to follow Jesus. So that He can meet their need. He can meet their need. People need you not so that you can meet their need. They need you so that you can introduce them to Jesus so that Jesus can meet their need. Right? It's making disciples. I'm a disciple of Christ. If you come to me, I'm going to do my very best to make you a disciple of Christ, not a disciple of Bruce because I'm limited. But Jesus he 's so unlimited. you need to be a disciple of Jesus. Look at this last scripture John 15 thirteen from the amplified Bible says this we 're ending this series on this scripture. No one has greater love, nor a stronger commitment. The amplified Bible says, nor a stronger commitment. Nobody has greater love or a stronger commitment." One version says, no one has shown stronger affection than to lay down his life for his friends. Laying down our life. How do we become a friend to people that are in need? Well, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. We've got to see them like Jesus sees them. And Jesus saw people so valuable and so precious that he identified with the very least of these. I believe that this, the Holy Spirit has, has stirred us up not just to think about other people, not just to feel what they're feeling, but to go one more step and do something about the situation that they're in. A lot of times, it's just meeting someone and and asking them a simple question or say, hey, you like a cup of coffee or if you see somebody. My wife does this all the time. She's everywhere we go and somebody's holding up a sign and they got their bags there and in need of food or work or We'll work for food or they're in need. We were in the grocery store one time. She bought a bag or a box or whatever for, of groceries. I'm like, who's that for? Well, the guy that I saw on the, on the way in here. What, I'm like, what guy? Well, just drive back out and I'll show you. Somebody's recognizing... Somebody that's in need that would be categorized as the least of these. Who is that person that recognizes the least? Is that that us? Because Jesus is looking at the least of these. He came to seek and to save. He came to find the lost coin, the pearl of great price. And he loves us so much. But it doesn't stop there. He loves the world so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, for calling us.